Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. 2020 Stanley Cup champions, your Vancouver Canucks. Folks, you've seen the best. We've tolerated the rest. It's time. Let's watch those Canucks win it. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> okay, so this is why you're calling it a cold, because we yeah, had no idea. Yeah, I didn't want you guys to know this. Yeah, because no. we would have kiboshed it. Pretty much. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Yeah, I had some other ideas too, but I figured those would get slammed. Here comes the rocket from center. Crosses the blue line. Moves it on goal. Shoots, he scores! Henrik scores! Henrik Sedin on the power play, and it's 3-0. Sven Merci with the power play goal, one second left in the penalty. It was the power play which ended up costing the Vancouver Canucks. Spencer scores! What a pass! It's an eight-game point streak for Brock Besser. Hello, Canuck fans, and welcome to episode four of the PP1 podcast. I'm your host, Braden Ursel, and I'm a writer at the Canuck Way. I'm joined each and every week by Ryan Hank, who's a writer at Canucks Army, and Ted Wong, who's just Ted Wong. <laughs> We're just three guys from Kelowna who love talking about the Vancouver Canucks. Absolutely. And their power play. Both yes. of them. So uh, let's get to it. It's power play time, baby. Let's go. Woo! That was your that was your best one yet. Yeah, that was that was okay. I was impre- <laughs> I'm impressed. That's great, man. Well done. Good job. Well, welcome back, boys. We yeah. Did it. Uh, three games in, you guys. Um, finally got a win last night. Eight two slaughter. The Canucks beat the L.A. Kings. I called it. Eight to two. You called eight two. I called it. No, I didn't call. Oh, okay. It. I could have. What a game, though. Wow. Highlights from beginning to end, and that is including the pregame ceremony. Yeah, it was pretty good. I enjoyed Todd Bertuzzi coming out. Holy, deafening. I was, uh, I actually hung up on my wife last night. She was coming home um, from the rink and uh, with our oldest kid uh, from speed skating, and uh, she called and said, hey, do we need anything? And I'm like, oh, Bert's on TV, gotta go, and I hung up. And that was that was the end of it. So, yeah, I was pretty jacked to see Todd full gear number forty four. It gave me the feels. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, you're saying full gear. I don't even think he was full gear. I think he yeah. had the pants and he had the the shin pads on. But when he skated out, yeah. I think he just had the jersey over top of those huge shoulders of his. I mean, the guy still looks good. Looks still looks like he could play. Still yeah, he looks pretty good. I thought there. so. I miss him. I do. Yeah. Well, maybe he could uh, play a game or two for nice before see, uh, yeah. the season ends. And it was nice to see the fans give him like a, a standing O, right? They were they were up on their feet. I think it's been long enough that Bert's been back, and mm-hmm. and people remember how good he was when he played here. I think it was a proper it was the proper send off. I think everybody wanted to give him subtly um, from all the events that kind of occurred. And now that you're right, water's kind of under the bridge for everybody, I suppose. Um, that uh, he he got the send off. I think we kind of wanted to give him, but there wasn't really. 
Um, I guess they had the West Coast Express night that one time, but uh, yeah. there wasn't really a time to you know to properly send... you know thank him for what he did because he did a lot. Yeah, it was after that whole thing with Steve Moore, it was kind of hard with Todd Bertuzzi leaving the Canucks. But it was really nice to kind of finally get that last goodbye, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that. It was Absolutely. really good to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might have got uh, the biggest ovation out of all those old-time Canucks. Yeah, yeah out um, of the, the representing the decades guys, I think. I think for sure yeah. he was kind of the most unexpected one that showed up, mm-hmm. um, seeing as how kind of what went down, you know, back then. And uh, yeah, I was super happy to see him back, though. Seeing Burgo wasn't a bad thing. We got a... A pretty decent player back in that return. That yeah, I feel who like was that okay again? With. What the heck was he, his name? he wasn't at the ceremony. He was the first, <laughs> the first best Louis to play for us. Yeah, the only good Louis to ever play for us. <laughs> Roberto uh, Luongo. I would, I was hoping to see him last night, but hey, Kirk McLean, that was pretty cool. First time he's put on the pads in 17 years. Yeah, he looked good. He had, it looks like he had all his vintage gear on. He, I mean, he had like some a new looking kit. It looked like, but those pads were done in the solid black with yeah. the with the red, just so the gold trim and the red on the side and the brown. So, yeah, I mean, it looked really good. I think a lot of those guys. McLean himself look like they could still play. I mean, those guys all look like they're in, in still in really good shape, and they all look, you know, they still look good. And one yeah. thing I noticed was how small Kirk McLean's pads were. I mean, that was only 17 years ago. I mean, pretty crazy. Um, but, well, yeah, one thing we should probably touch on here is uh, the captain. Bo Horvat announced captain of the Canucks, number 14. That was great. Yeah, it was it was it was fun to watch. I think uh, it was the worst kept secret in town. We've we've oh, talked about sure. that for a long time. And even though it, they were they they kind of like made us wait and bated breath to to bring him in and, and announce him as captain. I think it was done really well. It was a classy move by the organization. I think they had all the right people there having having you know our original captain in Orland and then our most recent captain in Hank. You know, yeah. pass that jersey on. I think. Um, there's a lot for him to live up to from an expectation point, but there's also a lot that other captains haven't done that is kind of exciting to see um, what Bo can become because he's kind of grown into this role and he's grown up a Canuck to this point already. Yeah. I um, What I really liked about it is, I mean, it, it did give you all the feels. The, the presentation was great. Uh, you know, it was the worst kept secret in Vancouver, but uh, for sure, for sure, the way they did it, they still trotted out everybody in in uh, the right way. It was kind of neat seeing that mix, you know, as they were leading up to Bo. Um, you know, again talking about uh, Bertuzzi and seeing Kern back and McLean, and it was kind of weird because you you're expecting it, but you're not sure, and then you're getting yeah. surprised in a bunch of different ways as well. The one thing that bugged me, and I mean, I can nitpick pretty much anything. Um, when they made the announcement and he skated up there, it yes. just felt that part to me felt anticlimactic. Oh, it's, he already had the jersey off, and they weren't even done announcing what was about to happen, and they were doing the exchange. And I get it; like it's a lot of work to take off a hockey jersey when you've got you know equipment on and everything. It just it felt like they make all this drama and all the presentation, and then at the very end, like the actual the passing of the torch yeah. on the ice. It felt like that should have happened in a press conference two weeks ago. It was quick. It came off quick. It, that jersey came off faster than Rob Ray in a fight, for sure. It, it happened quick. <laughs> yeah. So, again, I don't want to nitpick too much because that's, I mean, it was a great moment. And I'm thrilled that he's our, our captain. Hopefully the one that uh, eventually uh, brings the Stanley Cup to Vancouver. No, for sure. What I noticed about it was at the point where they were about to announce the captain, 
there wasn't really like a drum roll kind of wait for it who's it gonna be the announcer kind of just went okay Bo get up here yeah. kind of deal and that was kind of good to see you know and as the presentation kind of unfolded it just became so clear that it was Bo Horvat I mean last week there was a little tiny bit of speculation that it might be Besser or Pedersen or Sutter or Sutter <laughs> but <laughs> as the week went on and then as that game got unfolding I mean the pregame it was quite clear that we got our captain in Bo Horvat and it was a great choice for this team. Yeah, it really was. Um, but maybe we want to uh, actually jump into some game talk. Um, I'm super excited about yeah, the 8-2, eight, eight, man. It was amazing. They did play a game uh, for the ceremonies, didn't they? They did. <laughs> yes, they did. Um, but uh, it didn't take long. Um, that whole captaincy you know, thing, I kind of jump-started the guys, and it was Quinn Hughes with a blast from the point. Apparently that guy doesn't even have a shot. But man, can he shoot that puck. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a cream puff on that play, was it? I think it wasn't even that. That shot was impressive, obviously, but it was like the play just before that to gain the line where he had a little bit of sedinery. He comes across the line and then does this crazy backhand pass into the slot before they recovered the puck on the rebound, and then he ends up scoring from the point. But man, can that guy skate? Can that guy gain the line? I think there's such a, a good job with how he, he handles the puck in possession, and then people just he draws people to him before he dishes the puck, and it's so much fun to watch. It's uh, it's a different version of Patterson, kind of. Yeah. It's uh, like you're, you're thinking, because we're all watching it, and we're all wanting yeah. to see, you know, what's Quinn Hughes going to do? And we've had that feeling with Brock Besser, and we had that feeling with Patterson, we still do. And you're watching, you know, Quinn Hughes, you're right, dipsy doodle around, and you're thinking, oh my God, he just absolutely undressed that guy. And then he does this other move, and you're just waiting, like, there, it's going to climax to something, and it better be a goal. Yes. Everybody's just like, yes. it's building up. The one thing that it did build up to was um, the name of the podcast. They finally scored a power play goal. They got the He got the first one. Yes, he The first did. one. <laughs> we still haven't <laughs> nice got the soundboard too. figured out yet, so we're getting close. Getting close. But honestly, that was, it. you know, it kind of just let all the air out of the building Everybody was able to calm down, and it was the first goal, so you know it's not too bad having a lead. Yeah, Vancouver sure. as like a, as a whole exhaled. It was mm-hmm. kind of nice. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was place, great to that see. place just blew up. I was I was screaming off my couch. My girlfriend looked at me like I was an alien. Um, yeah, but yeah, all in all, great goal. Um, the cool thing about Quinn Hughes, I've been noticing as we've been watching him. Um, you know, when Petey came into the league, we we're so worried about his size. Yet, not that many people are talking about how small Quinn Hughes is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really play small like Petey does. Like, you know, Petey gets knocked over pretty easily. Um, Quinn Hughes is amazing on his feet. He's strong on his feet, and he's done a really good job of being that 19-year-old defender, and, you know, he fits in. He's been done really well. That's um, a good point. I, I, uh, it kind of reminds me how... how it's crazy. Yeah, like, how I, Duncan Keith was kind of like that a little to a certain years. extent, right? I mean, they, there was all this... There was a time when, uh, you know, Duncan Keith had that shot on, on Daniel Sedin, and... The very next game against Chicago is like, oh, we're gonna go after Duncan Keith. We're gonna hit him. We're gonna we're gonna try to get after him in the boards. But like, it's you, if, when a guy's that good of a skater, you you can't manhandle him physically because it just doesn't allow you to, right? So even if he's not physically engaged, to get your hands on a guy like like Quinn Hughes that moves that well, it's gonna be it's gonna be a chore for sure. Well, and you're taking yourself out of the game at that point. You know, if you're gonna focus yourself on Quinn Hughes, that's great. Yeah. If that's what you want to do as your defensive game at that point. He's got the puck. He can get to somebody else pretty darn quick. And now you've de- you've decided that you're going to dedicate all your time to him. Well, guess what? There's four other guys on the ice that can burn you too at that point. And odd, they've been putting him with Patterson, and yeah. you've seen how how uh, you know 
uh, especially him and, and Basser and uh, Miller were kind of all together on the power play and even just a little bit on five on five. You know, those guys, they're they're not cycling the puck, yeah. but they're keeping it mobile. It's dynamic. There isn't there isn't any staticness well, the, to it. The craziest thing about Hughes for me, uh, one of the things is he's coming in as a defenseman, and that's a lot different than coming in as a forward. Um, he looks great in that spot. He's ready to be that guy. Um, and he's just, he's fitting in. Sorry, guys. Um, lost my train of thought there. Yeah, Ryan, I think you made like a, a really good point there. I think uh, that's kind of like Petey's bread and butter when he has the puck, right? I think um, he's drawing one or two or three checkers towards him. There's a double team or a triple team sometime. Yeah. All of a sudden, as everybody's closing in on him, he just takes the last second to dish that puck off, and, and now there's a better probability of one or two yeah. or even three open guys on the ice, probably in prime scoring positions, and it's easy for them to pick up points that way. Exactly. Well, I'm sorry. I'm kind of remembering my thought here now about Hughes. And the crazy thing about his defensive game is even when he's out of position, uh, he completely gave up the puck. I can't remember what period it was in, but he was way out of position. He rushed back, and he was actually able to, to strip the puck back away because he was so fast getting back. I think that was back. even in the first period. Um, so. I think uh, Chris Tana maybe kind of tapped his stick at the, the guy rushing at him and kind of kind of freaked out the, the offense a sec. Just, in a, just enough time for Quinn Hughes to kind of get in he's and smart. swipe it away. He's smart. He's He's... Clearly, I mean, his hockey sense is uh, off the charts, and it seems the Canucks are finally figuring out how to draft these kind of guys. But he gets it. He understands where the play is going to be. You know, you can bring up, I guess, uh, a Wayne Gretzky kind of reference. You know, it's not where the puck is, it's where it's going to be. And he can see that. And that is the difference in from good players to great players. And, you know, Quinn Hughes is very young, and he's still very green. But he is one of those guys that he has that amazing hockey sense. Yeah. And when he does mature up to the point where he's a veteran after a few years, you know, sky's, it, it feels like the sky's the limit so far. Um, no kidding. Yet to be seen of what that's going to really look like. But, again, he's so dynamic. It's just you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, again, you're waiting on bated breath to see what's going to. Yeah, I, th I think you you hit the nail on the head there. I think not only that, Ryan, but I think that the fact that you know him being such a talented skater and him you know being able to to scoot up and down the ice and take chances because of that i think he understands what his ability is and understands how much he can give up before he can get back on a back check and well he's always in position like, and then even when he's out of position he's getting right back in position yeah i think that's just a, a person understanding what they're capable of doing right so yeah he's got this sort of riverboat gambler mentality to him but we need that like we need it so desperately yeah. some some sort of infused offense on this on this backhand right and the backhand was putting up last night for sure, and I think that's contagious for the other D-men that are on that squad. Yeah, they've been pretty impressive uh, through the three games, I would say, the, de the defense, the, the new look for the team. But, uh, you know, it wasn't actually much longer after that first goal by Quinn Hughes. We saw one from Brandon Sutter, and it was a nice goal for Brandon Sutter, um, and a nice assist from Jake Furtanen. It actually kind of reminded me of the Dreisaitl goal from Cassian in Game 1. It was just kind of just the opposite side. Um, you know, you kind of got that uh, that rough player getting in there and setting up the guy at a quick little feed. Um, totally. And then a quick snapshot and nice goal. Yeah, yeah. Good good call, Brady. It was just Yeoman's sort of working man's line that we've kind of anticipating a little bit and we've wanted Jake to be, right? I think he's such a talented skater that we need that guy to be a dog on the puck and sort of play that Burroughs role where he's getting in there and retrieving pucks and getting them to, yeah. to more talented players. And, like, I'm the first guy to crap all over Brandon Sutter, so I should be the first guy to give him some major praise as well. Like, he played a hell of a game. Like, it was yeah. it was good to see him get out there and produce. He was skating around with a little bit of confidence for sure, and it's looking like already he's starting to get a bit of a groove. 
Um, so it'll be good to yeah. see if it's sustainable for him. What I like too is like I, I think he started. I can't remember. I think he started on a line with Jake Vertanen, but then he actually got moved up on a line with Michael Furland and Adam Gaudet. Did he get moved up to Michael Furland, or did Michael <sighs> Furland get moved down? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm not sure. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Sutter looks great on that line as well. And honestly, I did not expect that from that third line. Um, you kind of got three guys that all kind of rushed the net. They're not really playmakers, but they kind of made it work together. That third There's line a, looked really good. It's <laughs> odd to say that Brandon Sutter's on an energy line. Yeah, yeah, no, He's been such sure. a sleepy player for so long, right? I, I think we talked about this in episode one. We don't really know what kind of player Brandon Sutter is going to be for us. He's never been healthy enough. Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, his bad luck in Vancouver's run out. It's possible. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. bad things come in threes or fours or sixes or what he's had a big string of bad luck so it'd be nice to it'd be nice to to see him get a a run of good luck and stay healthy for a little while because it's been a long time yeah Yeah. him and the Canucks both yeah and we can use it if it's I think the intention for this franchise is is even if you know Brandon Sutter is healthy or unhealthy at some point or he's producing or not producing at some point I think the idea for this franchise is still to to move him at some point um, and I could be wrong on that. Maybe they do want him to be here. I mean, they've named him an A, but um, you know, you know, if he's playing well and he's just upping his his you know his perception to the league and his value and what he's worth, then that's a good thing. If he's playing poorly, then that's just more reason to to, to move on at any point. No, I think you're right there, Ted. Um, I don't think the fans should get too excited when Brendan Sutter starts playing well. Like, not excited in the way that that's good for us, but it is good for us because I still want to get rid of him. <laughs> I think uh, we up his value as as we if he keeps playing well and we dish him off and you know maybe in the next couple of weeks actually we find a trading partner in the Pittsburgh Penguins and why the Pittsburgh Penguins well they're down two so centermen this is a, this is a rumor, right or have you, you yeah no this is no, this again? is rumor for okay, sure yeah I just kind of think that uh, that could possibly be a good fit there considering Sutter's played in Pittsburgh before. He's had the same coach, I believe, or yeah. his general manager. His best season was in Pittsburgh. Which, yeah. And they like each other. And, uh, you know, they're short two centermen. And Sutter looks good. Uh, that would be where I would be going to try to sell Sutter if I'm Jim Benning. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> they're this kid. They're, they're, they're the kid at the lunch table that, like, for some reason has the one thing in their lunch that everybody else needs, but it's not because it's like that really good snack because (laughs) nobody else for, for like the hand of God reached down and nobody got good snacks packed in their lunch, but we have the only half decent one. Right. So now's the time if you're going to go on a buy, I mean, a a sell high, can you sell high at three, four games into the season? I don't know. I I don't care at this point. If somebody wants to sell high on a stutter, I'm all over it. Well, just can, can Sidney Crosby carry that team though? I mean, I don't know how much Brandon Sutter's going to help carry that team, but Depth, a depth centers. Yeah, depth center adding to any team, you know, when you've got injuries is going to be a big help. How long term is Malkin and Bjugstad going to be out? Um, I'll rebut your rebut, however you want to say it, um, your uh, trade proposal. I was looking at this and I kind of started thinking because I've been on the get setter out of town as well. But when you really look at it, how many of us have freaked out about Sutter to the point where he's got to go, he's got to go, he's got to go? The thing is, it hasn't been as much as Erickson, and no one really made a big deal at the time about Manny Malhotra. What did they bring in? Again, a different team, but what was Manny Malhotra brought in to do? One thing. Win face-offs. Win face-offs. He signed a $2.5 million deal 
uh, to win faceoffs. And yes, he was going to bring a little bit of offense. And I think at the end of the day, you know, they're going to get some of that. Sutter is getting 4.3 to kill penalties really well, mind you. He plays defense like a baller, and yet we're trying to kick him out of town. Now, again, I'm not 100% on the keep Brandon Sutter, you know, fan club. At the same time, if you're looking at those two players and what they were brought in to do as a specialist, he covers a lot more ground than Manny Malhotra did, and Manny was out there for face-offs. He scored a few goals, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I I mean, if we're going to compare the two... I would keep Brandon Sutter if he's going to bring you a little bit more depth. Yeah. Brady, I know you have something to say on this for sure. And I'll I'll do that after. I got some arguments on that. Sure. And I think there's a few things here with Brandon Sutter. um, I think this year, especially, we're trying to get into that rolling three scoring lines mentality. And also with bringing in guys like Adam Gaudet and Jay Beagle. Yes. Who's pretty much the same player as Brandon Sutter. You're not, you're kind of, you know, you don't need both of them. Right. And Sutter is a lot less healthy than Jay Beagle is, um, so he's expendable. Um, but also another big argument there for me is the fact that Brandon Sutter, um, his face-off percentage is actually, on his career, is 49.5. And the, the biggest difference on Moholtra is when we brought him in in, uh, in that cup run, 2011, mm-hmm. He was second in the league. Oh, yeah. Like 61 point something percent. He was like And there's a huge difference. That's that's like 12% difference. And that is massive. Yeah. Malhotra was out there taking faceoffs just to run to the bench and back. I mean, that's why I would take Malhotra any day of the week over a guy like Brandon Sutter. So my argument to that is $2.5 million for just faceoffs. I'm looking at Sutter as the guy that brings... I think Malhotra was also a good penalty killer. Okay, well, I mean... Ryan, I mean, I, I'm with Brady on this one. I think I'm with Brady with for a few different reasons, but I think those just mean that there's more reasons that you're wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not hard line, but fire away. <laughs> I mean, it's we're okay. So we talked about the fact that we're talking about a two million dollar spread. We're talking about a ten percent spread in faceoffs. Um, you know, we're not even bringing th- stuff up like zone starts. Yeah. I mean, Manny started between seventy and eighty percent of all his faceoffs in the defensive zone. So, you know. Sutter is just unable to do that. He does start more in the defensive zone than the offensive zone. But if you're starting something like 60% of your, your your draws in the defensive zone, and you're only winning a career average of 49%, so you're it's only half the draws that are going that way. Whereas if it was Manny that was out there winning 60-plus percent in the defensive zone, starting 80% of the draws, and if it's not him, they're rolling out Ryan Kessler. You know, the fact that we were we were drawing those those face-offs out on penalty kills was just dominant during that point. So not only that, there's a defined role for Manny Malhotra. He's playing out on a line with Yannick Hansen, and he's playing out on a line with Rafi Torres, and that was just a devastating third line during that time. There's not a clear and defined role for Brandon Sutter. We don't know what he is. Heck, half the time he's not even good enough to be a center on his own team. So I just don't think that that argument holds up when we're talking about two different players in Manny Malhotra and Brandon Sutter. And then the, to top it all off, their point totals in their time in Vancouver are almost identical. Right, whatever. All right, you know so what? you know what? Fine, I'm going home. Screw you guys. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you guys, would you agree with me that now is the time to try to trade Brandon Sutter? I don't think now's the time. I don't think I think now has been the time between now and the last like two years. I don't think they've stopped trying to trade Brandon Sutter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think his value is higher than it's ever been. And it's probably because we're only three games in the season and the awards haven't started to show yet. 
Fair enough. Uh, maybe we should uh, shift back to that game a little more. Uh, it was 2-0 last time we uh, talked about it. Uh, second period comes along. Pedersen finally gets on the board. You could tell he was happy to kind of get that first one off his back. Um, nice goal. Um, yeah, kind of get the ball rolling there, and uh, they scored five more after that. It was nice. It was kind of a sneaky little goal. Hey? It wasn't like this big overpower you Pedersen shot or like or like a, a nasty deaky out of your drock strap put you on the ice. It was just like he kind of just placed it, and nobody was thinking it was going there. And it was along the ice. I think he's just happy to get it out of the way too. Just there's so many of these guys that there. Some of those goals just aren't going to be pretty, or they're just not going to be mm -hmm. you know, the most glamorous. You know what, whatever they look like, but it's like he got his goal. We all recognize that. Everybody's happy, but it just it continued because it, it was what three one at that point, right? Yeah, three or, yeah, or three, three, three nothing. Three nothing. So, yeah. so you know at that point, you know it's just they're they're piling on on the good. At that point, everybody's feeling pretty awesome about it. And then, you know, really, I think the big story that we can kind of get in, you can talk about the defense, and obviously Brandon Sutter had a great game. After only two games, Michael Furlan gets sent down the lineup. Mm -hmm. JT Miller mm -hmm. gets brought up the lineup. JT Miller dominated that game with four points. Yes. And quite frankly, I don't think he's ever moving off of that line. Yeah. No, I mean, why would you move him? Uh, you know, Michael Furlan, what he's got, is he pointless? One point, I believe, maybe one assist. And uh, JT Miller comes in, just completely gets the job done, four points. Makes all his linemates look good. He looked good. I loved it. And hasn't he been getting the job done already? I yeah. Mean, I think he's he's probably been one of our pe best players. He leads the team in games. points. Yeah. So uh, not only, he's not getting, you know, ticky-tack points either, right? Like, he's, he's the one that's doing the work down low. He's playing that bumper, right? So... Um, it's about time. The better player is on the top line, which mm -hmm. is kind of what we all wanted. Furlan's game probably suits Bo's game better anyways. And, and, and although he's not on that line, we think he's going to find his way at some point, right? But, I mean, that was a concern of ours, right? When, when he was finishing up mm -hmm. his time in Carolina, he didn't do squat for the last half of the season. He, he really hasn't even been a physical presence yet. So we need him at some point to step up and, and be who Michael Furlan is, the Furlan that we signed. Yeah. And if it's not right now, fine. Make that change quick and move on to what is working. Honestly, I kind of liked Furlan down on like the, you know, the middle the middle six there. That was a good spot yeah, he's for a, him. Yeah, he's a grinder that can play top six, yeah. right? He, yeah, we don't have sure. to pigeonhole him into a top six. If he gets there, that's great. If not, he is suited to play in that, that yeah. bottom six role. And the, I got to ask you guys this question here. It was kind of debated a lot. That goal by JT Miller... Did he mean to do that? Or was he just trying to pass it that demon way back? I don't know. I, think, was, I think he was... Was that just completely fluke? Or is that just how good JT Miller is? He shot is? that hard, right? I think like there's a chance that's going to clear out of the zone from behind the net yeah. if, he, if that doesn't hit him, right? So... And he's trying to pass it through, like, what, three, four guys to get to that D-man if he was trying uh, to pass it there? I I don't know. Just trying to throw it at that guy know. and see what happens? I mean... Good to be lucky, lucky to be good. Yeah, yeah. I think when you're, when you're confident, you're trying stuff like that. And obviously, JT Miller's playing confident right now. Yeah. It's. Yeah, I think. Is. I think that's that's probably one of those ones we could probably debate for a while because you're right. I think yeah. we're all kind of on on opposite sides of that because it's entirely possible he meant to do that. Mm -hmm. I watched it about three or four times. I think it was maybe an accidentally on purpose kind of move. He may have been trying to do something like that and it just worked out, you know, in his favor. Yeah. What other uh, what other goals did we see? Uh, you know, Josh was it Levo that got on the board? From Horvat, and it was nice to see him get that assist kind of near the end of the game. Yeah, that was, that uh, was that glad nice Glad to play. see him get on the board. Um, who else scored? Uh, Sutter had another one. 
Um, just an all-around amazing game. That bow goes. That bow bow assist is really nice. He's screaming down that wing. Yeah. And it was that backhand sauce right to Levo, and and we've seen plays of him in junior make that same set mm -hmm. with Max Domi, right? So it's not like he's never done that before. Uh, so that was really nice to see that. Agreed. Yeah, it was all in all. It was. I think we can all agree. It was a pretty awesome game. It's yeah. nice to know that we got a win, a convincing win, and you know to wipe away the the two losses that I think one I think there was an opportunity they could have won, and the other one you know how they don't get a win out of that is anybody's guess. But it is the Canucks. There is a reason that uh, we debate absolutely everything with this team, and you know it was nice to see that they finally broke through on the power play, that they got a convincing win, especially against a team like uh, the LA Kings, who we have a little bit of continued history with, yeah. uh, especially with a guy uh, who uh, wears number eight and plays defense. Yeah, I kind of want to... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to... Did anybody... I mean, I think it was a pretty convincing win from a score standpoint. I'm a little worried that we got outshot 39 to 25. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Um, crazy, we had eight goals, but... The Kings had, what, 40 shots? It was 40 uh, shots. Markstrom had a great game, too. Everyone had a great game, and it was all for Bo Horvat. It was just really good to see. Yeah, we gave up 40 shots that we were, we were pretty It didn't weak. seem like we did. That it, was yeah, a funny I was gonna thing. Say, like, it was just... um, so I don't think the one guy we're not talking about is how strong Markstrom was, and we really needed him to be in that game, too. So He looks mid-season form uh, right out of the gate, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah. And, and the, the Edler knuckle puck was pretty great, too. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, like I said, it had a little bit of everything. It it's, really did, yeah. It, it gets you kind of primed for, again, this isn't going to be a, a Stanley Cup run uh, kind of season, but it's nice to kind of get the, yeah. the monkey off the back and it's, at least get some, some positivity flowing. Yeah, it's funny. It's nice to get, you know, that. it's funny that that 8-2 victory can suddenly just erase everyone's terrible feelings about going 0-2, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and and this is going to go a long way to do that, and, and I think there's still a lot of questions to be answered for sure, And but in the meantime, it is really nice. What did you guys think about, um, you know, we went a, a previous game watching um, Quinn Hughes log a ton of ice time. Yep. All of a sudden, this game, he was probably one of our best players, our most mm -hmm. exciting players. I felt like every time he was on the ice, I saw him. He only yeah. played like 16 and a half minutes. Really? I didn't, yeah. I didn't even know that. Um Sixteen. I I was told we were going to see him less at home. Um, I think it's just it's harder to match up your guys at home or on the road, right? So. Yeah, I think I think out of all that, I think I I maybe wasn't. I'm still not a big fan of that Edler Myers. Tandem. I like that pairing. To uh, be honest, I think with it you. gets chewed up a little bit. I think they run around a little bit in their own zone, um, but they're big out there and they do a couple of things in terms of. Um, grinding the game down a little bit for sure, but I think the more you can feed Hughes, I think the better. Yeah. He's probably he's probably not a 23, 24 minute guy. I definitely don't think he's a 16 and a half minute guy, but I'd like no, to see sure. Hughes skating around maybe at 20 minutes every night or something like that. I yeah, think Green trusts him enough that you're going to start to see that a lot quicker. I think he's a guy that maybe like you were saying, Braden Boat, you know, um, you know Patterson and Besser, and you know we talk about kind of keeping the reins off. He's a different player. He's a defenseman. He's not a forward. Yeah. And for whatever reason, he seems to trust his defenseman a bit more, which is you know, crazy. It, it is. <laughs> well, it's just it's goes a to weird show dynamic. But. How good he is. Like to have Coach Green like, do that for him. Um, but the one thing I think about that with about Hughes and the good thing he's only playing yeah. 16 minutes, and I do think he's going to kind of break down as the season goes on. You do? I, yeah. he's gonna I, I can't yeah. see a D-man being able to play 82 games, especially at 19 years old, put up 20 23 minutes a night. I don't know. We saw it with Petey last year. I just, I don't see it. I don't see him being able to go through 82 games. 
Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast on Cryer Media. If you're looking for a spot to advertise your company, your brand, your cheese wheel, some beer, maybe some donuts, this is the spot. Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at always94, and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends. And how awesome does that sound? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say whether he's going to he's gonna be a guy that breaks down like you say, or he's going to be more like a McAvoy or something like that, a smaller player that continues well, to I mean, work How through. many games do you play in college? Like 30? Well, like, yeah, the college season so is quite really, a bit different. They, they practice, practice a lot, but yeah, you're right. The, and he's a small guy playing against men, which I think is an advantage, yeah. but you don't get that grind of a, 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 CHL, a CHL season for sure, so... Yeah, we'll see. I think the, the one thing I'm still I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on to, I want to see, obviously, I still want to see Hughes on that first unit power play. I don't know if you're yes. any closer. You told yeah. me I better rethink that. I think <laughs> I think that I'm, no, I'm, for sure. it's still something I want to see, and I still want to see a Stetcher-Hughes pairing at some point. I really do. I do too, honestly. Yeah. I like that as well. Uh, talk about the power play. Um, you know, I don't think... I did not like Josh Levo being on that first unit. We talked about that you last still don't week. Like that, eh? yeah. And uh, they changed it, and it worked. Um, you know, Horvat belongs on that top unit, um, and I wouldn't change that. You like forward. the overload? I love it. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. 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 Big fan. Put all your skill, if it's not working, yep. overwhelm them, swarm them. Yep. And, you know, we, we went one for two, 50%, so I'm happy with it. One for, now, <laughs> one for twelve. One for twelve. Yeah. yeah. So. So really, it's a win. Yeah. All in yeah. all, uh, amazing way to kind of have a home opener. Um, but you know, now it's time for Ted's segment of uh, our weekly dudes and guys. Uh, yeah, Ted. Uh, yeah, you want to kick it off with maybe your guys to start this week? I, I had no idea that it had turned into a segment either. So, uh, <laughs> dudes, I think it's like, how do you not go with JT Miller? He was a monster in this game. I think he took it over. He let everybody know that he belongs on that top line. That's and your to, dude? To come away from from uh, from the game with four yeah. points for sure, JT Miller, he's going to be my dude in that game. And also, I think we need to show a little bit of respect and a little bit of love to Brandon Sutter. It was nice to see him come mm-hmm. back and put up some big points. Um, obviously the big man in bow. Brown and Sutter, first time dude status. First time ever. <laughs> Finally gets dude status. Sorry for cutting you off there. Um, yeah, no problem. I think, um, you know, guys, uh, there was, uh, I don't really know if there was any pedestrian players that were playing in that game. I think Jonathan Quick was pretty suspect. Yeah, I think Drew Doughty got owned on a few occasions and then was blew nice. up at his team in the media a little bit this week too. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they'll be my dudes for this week, and then my guys this week are obviously we, a couple uh, of LA Kings. I thought we agreed we weren't going to talk about the other team's dudes, Ted. Like, Is that, what are you doing? Did you agree to that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway. In an A2 um, win, it's hard to find. So, okay, yeah, I know. So, no, I'm just bugging you. <laughs> yeah, so an and, and A2 win, it's hard to find some, some duds, but I mean, if you're going to yeah, pick on somebody. Uh, but it was over the whole week. For the games, your studs and duds. Yeah, so dudes and guys. The, the the guys is obviously that power play in the in the first game. No, for sure. Sorry, the second no. game versus Calgary. It was it was terrible. It was awful. To look at that game as a whole was putting me to sleep. Well, so. for ten it was gross. Yeah. All right. So yeah, moving on. Um, maybe I want to talk about uh, Louis Erickson a little bit. Who's uh, that? Is he is he still on? The he's team? the yeah. he's not the good Louis we were talking about earlier. He's the other one. Okay. You know? right. Yeah. 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 The guy that you know. It's healthy scratch. He's making uh, $73,000 a game right now to watch from the press box. That's some healthy scratch. <laughs> and you know what? I think he's happy to do it. How long do you guys think until we send him down? I don't know if he's going to get sent down. Two scratches in a row? I, yeah. They also they also took Furland off of that top line after two games. I think we're still probably 
to see him sent down, actually sent down to Utica, I think we're still a few weeks, probably at the very least, if that were to happen, it would be after their long road trip. Realistically, mm-hmm. though, until they realize that, hey, things have been healthy for you know a decent amount of time, he's still going to be there. Because if anyone is out for one game, he's probably that first guy that, that draws yeah. into the line. Unfortunately, he is that first guy that's going to draw into the lineup. They don't have to call up anyone, and you know they are paying him all that money. So... At the end of the day, if something were to happen, you do have a guy that's ready to jump in, and you know, hopefully, he shows anything beyond the little things that he's shown in the last three seasons. But, little little uh, things is the perfect description. I mean, he is Louis Erickson, but he is little things Louis. So, Louis, little things Erickson. So, I mean, he does all those things that we need a bottom six guy to do, and he's probably going to be able to chip in with twelve and twelve. So, uh, maybe <laughs> is twelve and twelve worth the amount of money that he's being paid? No, no. But that's you know that's a big problem that somebody else caused, yeah. and that doesn't mean that he's not a he's not a valid NHLer and can't play. Is he going to get sent out? I don't I don't think so. I don't think you send yeah. I don't think you send a pro, a veteran pro like that down to the minors. I think that pisses other pros off. I think that pisses other veterans on the team off as well. I think it's tough yeah. for them to. Well, they already sent two better players though. So what's I agree. Thing? So why keep doing it, right? So mm-hmm. I think if you're going to say you're going to learn your lesson and not do things like that. Then you better you better continue to not do things like that. I think it I think it makes players mad. It does. It's not a good look for free agents when you sign guys and you they don't play out their contracts and you're cutting mm-hmm. them and sending them off. What incentive do we have to well, get players to come? With here? sending them down, you're almost talking about you're just hoping maybe he just packs it up and moves back to Sweden at that point. Yeah, you didn't, at that point you probably arrange something like that. So yeah. I don't I don't I don't really know. I don't think it's going to happen. I think at some point we're going to need Louis, even if it's for twenty some odd games. I don't think he's a super valuable player on this team, but yeah. You know what I just picture it. You know, Coach Green. I don't know if you guys heard his kind of quote this year. The players, uh, everyone has to buy in in order for this to work out. Um, I just I, I picture I picture Green going to Louis Erickson and be like, you just got to buy into this, man. It's the best way we're going to win. We got to scratch it. Sorry, man. <laughs> like, he, he just did, buy into it, Louis. He did like, buy ah, seventy three thousand. He bought in for six million dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think. But <laughs> if you talk, Teddy, your brain up at like a twelve and twelve. At this point, again, you know, let's call a spade a spade. If we're going to get twelve goals and twelve assists out of Louis this season, that's a win. Yeah. As far as the Canucks are concerned, unfortunately, that's a win. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, take something from nothing at this point. Yeah. So, if 12 goals, if he's going to put up 12 goals, I think the Canucks are probably laughing and think, well, we can salvage him here and here and here. I mean, I'll take 12 goals from him. I'll take 12 assists from him. And it, if it means he's producing, obviously things are going decently well that, uh, you know, we can bring him in as needed. If he fits under the cap, regardless of what his salary is, I try to think of it like, is Louis a valid? Is is this player or not even Louis? But is this player a valid NHLer? Can he contribute to this team? And I try not to think about the fact that he makes that much money. I think about it as in if he's making one point five, am I as mad at this player as I normally would be? Probably not. No. But uh, but it's not the case. So there's all sorts of extra angst for a guy like Louis, unfortunately. But we're gonna have to find a way to live with that. Absolutely. I just can't wait for the day where. Louis Erickson doesn't take up, you know, 50% of the podcasts out there these days. Seems like half the time we're talking about Louis Erickson, the other half the time we're talking about uh, Brown and Sutter. That name's out there probably for a <laughs> podcast because we're trying to be, what, the 18th best Connect podcast? So, I mean, the 20th best podcast is probably going to be something to do with Louis Erickson every week. So Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Um, I, th- I kind of want to go uh, off topic. Uh, we didn't really talk much about Brock Besser. Uh, he's got two assists in three games, but we haven't exactly seen that that lethal shot of his yet. Mm-hmm. When do we start to worry about that? 
I'm not worried. Yeah, I'm, I'm, worried. Not, I'm not worried either. I think you're right. I think we've seen it that he's tried to get that shot off yeah. in a couple of games. He's just taking a little bit long to load it up and get that big Howie off. So I've uh, always kind of thought he holds it just a split second too long. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. He's sitting there in the high slot, and I think he just a a split second, you're right, Brady. If he just lets yeah. that shot go, and maybe it's not the A shot, but it's hard on that, right? Yeah. But again, like with with Brock Besser, he's coming in again, not exactly having a full preseason. You know, there's two games, then he goes out with that concussion. So again, he's not just jumping in. He didn't even get to play with Furland. Maybe that's kind of no chemistry there. We haven't really seen. So maybe it's just going to take some time to build some chemistry, and then he'll start, you know, really scoring goals. Yeah, I think, I think he... He doesn't drive play the same way that like Bo does or that that Petey does. No. And he's he's more the result of or a uh, supporting player. So yeah. once that 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 happens in in, in Petey's game where we were talking about earlier, where he starts drawing more defenders to him because he's starting to become more dangerous, mm-hmm. then Bo is open that much more, and that's when I really think things are going to start to unfold for him. Just think about it, like. When we're on the power play, once once Hughes finally gets on power play one, yeah. when <laughs> are, he does. Are you on board with that now? Oh, I, I've always been on board with okay. it. I just didn't think you could just immediately take oh. it away from Alex Edler. Okay. But uh, what I am saying here is, you're like you're saying, Patterson creates space. Mm-hmm. Then you got Hughes out there creating space. How wide open is Brock Besser going to be on oh, that power play? <laughs> he is all the way open Monday through Friday. Yeah. He's Ocho Senko. He's Dinger's top corner. Hatties all night long. But again, you, you guys are talking about two different positions as well. Pedersen as a center. You were yep. talking about Bo Horvat as a center. Those two guys are creating plays. Defensemen yes. are creating plays. Wingers, and I'm not trying to diminish that role at all, and I'm not trying to say Brock Besser isn't as good as these guys. Brock Besser is a winger. He is the feed, the guy that's getting fed the puck most mm. of the time. He's not the guy that's coming out of the zone with the puck. You're not seeing zone starts you know, Nailed from it. a winger. You're, you're getting those from your defenseman. You're getting those from your center. So, yes, Brock Besser, you know, a couple assists, not the end of the world. We've seen the guy shot, and you know that he's going to be trying to repair that and make sure that it's as lethal as we've all seen it, and it's going to come. I mean, you already start to see uh, Patterson get his shot off. Hasn't gone in yet, but, I mean, when they just like any good player, when they start going in, they start going in all the he's time. He's going to start feeling it, and, yeah, it's possible that Brock could turn into a streaky scorer, but like when he's when he's on, he's on. So yeah, we're gonna sure. get to see that at some point. He's been kind of a cold starter, but he also hasn't had a full preseason. Yeah, and he's also had two points in three games. He does have two assists. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. he's been pretty quiet out there, but he's still getting the points. Um, but that that kind of wraps up uh, that big eight-two win. Um, one thing is kind of going around the Twitter world after the game. Uh, Drew Doughty seemed pretty sour about that 8-2 loss. He actually quoted, and I quote, a team like that should not be beating a team like ours, 8-2. There's absolutely no way. Well, let me give you a little news here, Drew Doughty. (laughs) We beat you guys by 10 points last year. So, I mean, wake up. You're not that good anymore. I I have a comment. I'm putting my hand up here. Um, Is this the 2012 LA Kings we're talking about? Or is it the 2019 20? Because the last time I checked... They are not the same cup team that they were, you know, many moons ago when, yeah, absolutely, they ran the table when they went on their run and won those two cups. But guess what? It isn't the same team. Drew Doughty, great player. Not young anymore. He, you know, you're not going to see his little spinorama every single time he has the puck. Guess what? Teams get beat. Good players get beat. Connor McDavid plays for the Edmonton Oilers. You don't see Connor McDavid running his mouth after they lose. And they get blown out just like anybody else will. 
It's not the end of the world. You know what? At the end of the day, I like it that he's mad. I liked it when yeah. Ryan Kessler said no, his sure. comment in the Olympics in yeah. Vancouver. I love it. It builds a little bit of rivalry no, for, sure. for a team that we don't really have a rival right now. So the next time the Kings play the Canucks... Which is look, October 30th. Yeah, I mean, that's perfect. I yeah. look forward to seeing these two teams play again. And he's going to have a chip on his shoulder, and it could end up being yeah. a really chippy game. Good. Yeah. We need that. The Canucks for sure, need that. For sure. And quite frankly, the LA Kings need that. Yeah. You just... want to see a rivalry like that. If they were fighting, let's say, down the stretch for a playoff run this year, you know, if that ends up happening for both of those teams, would yeah. you not want to see tensions get a little bit higher towards the end thought... of the year? Yeah. No, for sure. I, I, but I thought, like, Drew Doughty, like, for a guy who's so good, he needs to show a little bit more respect than that. Sort of. I mean, he kind of just... No, I like the swagger. He sort shit of. all over the Canucks. And, yeah, you can do that if, you're, if your team's good, too. But you're not you're not good right now, and you haven't been. So I did not like the comment, personally. So my argument to that is that, you know, we had one of those guys. We had a Ryan Kessler. He used to do stuff like that, right? So, uh, And Ryan Kessler was a leader on that team. And Drew Doughty is a leader on, on that LA King yeah. team. So we know that it's Anzi, and Anzi's the captain. And he's the guy that has to say the, the PC, the correct things within the media. But that allows Drew Doughty to play that role of, of villain and antagonizer and, and poke the bear, right? So he's, man, salty. So salty, right? He's kind of channeling his his inner LA Kings Twitter account, and, and away and away he goes, right? So I think his teammates need that. I think they know that Anzi's pissed behind doors, and they don't like losing. But that's an old team. That's a team in transition, but it's still a team that has a bunch of skill. We're talking about a team that goes ahead and benches Ilya Kovalchuk for a bunch of games. Hey, that was a Willie thing. They got to figure their own stuff out for sure. But if I'm the LA Kings, I'm happy that he said that, and that's the same thing that we said we respected Marcus Naslin for when he said we choked. Yeah, I'm all I'm all over Drew Doughty being salty. I love it. I to me and I like that. I like those kind of guys. I like the guys that are, you know, a little bit rough around the edges, I think, you know, I same reason I brought up at the beginning of this. I love Todd Bertuzzi. When you see the things that Todd Bertuzzi did, you know, talking about Minnesota fans like don't bother coming to the next game. Don't bother buying tickets. Those are the kind of things, love it or hate it, you know, it draws people in, it creates a storyline and Yeah. You know, that's why people want to watch. They want to see character in hockey. And quite frankly, like, we need more guys like that. You want to see a bit of that saltiness. And there's a lot of players that do it. I think we're finally starting to see, you know, a few more players speak up a little bit. And it's, uh, you know, I'm maybe we're going to have a connect that says something like that. All right, so all in all, we're not really... Some of us are happy about the dowdy comments, the, unres- the no respect maybe there a little bit. Um... But some other uh, legends for the Canucks had some really respectable things to say about the new captain, Bo Horvat. I know we've kind of talked about him before, but there's a couple things we haven't discussed. Um, Henrik and Daniel Sedin had a lot of great things to say about him. Uh, they think he's ready for it. Uh, they had an interview. I think it was after the first intermission. Henrik had an interview, which was nice to see. And then also, uh, you guys uh, got me on the... Uh, got me finally paying for The Athletic, and uh, I got to read an article about uh, Naslin's open letter to Bo Horvat. See? You subscribe Um, to something and good things come from it. Was that that your first article that you read was was Drance's article? Why I'm subscribing to The Athletic? No, it was awesome. Yeah, it was good. And kind of one of the quotes near the end of the uh, letter here, uh, Marcus Naslin, and I quote, You have a chance to be the first captain to ever raise the Stanley Cup wearing a Canucks jersey. How amazing that would be. I said that in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so great. I could be good as Marcus Nazem. Yeah. No, that is great. 
I, uh, I mean, we, Ted, you and I, I think probably have a little bit more uh, of the West Coast Express uh, memories, and again, Brayden, you're a little bit younger, but not that much. Um, I remember the West Coast Express, yeah. for sure. Marcus sure. Nasson, from, you know, his rise to, to stardom, and, you know, him and, uh, was it uh, Ilya, when they had their uh, their Nike commercial? Yes. That's, that's a nice yeah. dangle, man. Um, oh, those are some nice dangles. Yeah. It, yeah. It, to hear that from Nazan and he's lived through it, he's lived through I love Nazzy. <laughs> he's, lived, he's lived through, you know, the the beast that is uh, Canucks, uh, you know, that connects media, that connects uh, fan base, and he's right, if... If Bo Horvat, you know, gets the Canucks to the promised land one day, I mean, we saw what it looked like when the Raptors finally won. We saw what it looked like when the Canucks yeah. almost won the last time. Almost. Like, we Fire are on the streets. The, we are on the, you know, we're at the tipping point. Like, if it happens, it's going to be an absolute gong show, and Bo has an opportunity to be yeah. in the front I of think that. Bo Horvat does have what it takes to get this team to win oh, it's the Stanley clear, yeah. Cup. And uh, he actually had some, uh, a quote or a little thing, he, a little letter he wrote to the fans. And I'm just going to kind of read it out here for you guys. Uh, it goes like this. Uh, I still remember it like it was yesterday, almost seven years ago, standing on stage and pulling this jersey over my head for the first time. I remember going to bed at night and never wanting to take it off. Since that day, I've been lucky to learn what the jersey really means and stands for. Hard work, history, perseverance, and the privilege to represent one of the world's great cities, the province of BC, and an incredible, diverse fan base. I've been so fortunate to learn firsthand from many of the great leaders and players over the years, and our group today is made up of many of them. As a team, we are looking forward to working towards our ultimate goal of bringing a championship to the great fans of Canucks Nation. Thank you again for this honor. The best is yet to come, Bo. Yeah, man, it's it's class all the way around. I think that's just a bow thing. He's he's saying all the right things. I think he touches on the fact that you know that letter from Naslin speaking about um, how being a, a captain in a Canadian city is a different animal. Um, yeah. I was talking to a friend um, just today actually, uh, and his team is New Jersey. And I was like, who's who's the captain out in New Jersey? Like we literally didn't know, had to go look it up, and it's it's Andy Green. Green, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, that's no no slight on Green or anything like that, but it's. I don't think it's the same when you're in a place like like in New Jersey, and and the city doesn't live, breathe, eat, sleep, and die the hockey team because the, the the team is the only show in town, and it's just like that in Edmonton, and it's just like that in Calgary, and it's just like that in Toronto, and so on and so forth, right? So when you take on and you become a leader in a town like Vancouver, it comes with a whole host of additional um, responsibilities, yeah. right? And I think Bo just you know personifies all those things that you, yeah, for sure. you need in a leader to carry that forth so yeah i think the one thing you, you've heard it in uh, a bunch of different ways but heavy is the crown it's uh, yes for sure he has that large mantle but, on his shoulders and he's now. got some support like to have to come into the 50th season you got all that support from the previous captains i mean naslin had some pretty big words in that uh, open letter that can, are going to go a long way and i'm sure he's getting the same from henrik Sedin and you know all the previous captains like uh you know, curtain back and everybody. And so, you can draw from those guys too. I think they're all yeah. accessible to the team as we've, you know, we see a lot in yeah. all the alumni stuff. They're accessible. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I think there isn't a single person in Canucks Nation that is not happy about Bo Horvat being this captain. So no. moving on, uh, Bo Horvat, 14th captain of the Vancouver Canucks. And we're going to jump into some question and answer section. Um, and we'll start it off with my grandfather, Ken Davidson, all the way from Winnipeg. And his question here is, if each of you could pick one favorite Canucks moment or goal of all time, what would it be? 
Ted, do you want to maybe start this one off? Or? Okay, well, uh, I actually like to not read through these questions and kind of just answer them off the cuff. So um, maybe, maybe I'll just, I'll, I won't pick a goal. I'll pick, I'll pick a moment in it. It was actually the, it was the two pad stack. Um, everybody knows it is the save from Kirk McLean yeah, 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 coming yeah. Cross, cross crease in that New York game. So for me, it's going to be, it's going to be the two pad stack. It's going to be the save from Kirk McLean. A little bit further down that game, that cemented me as a diehard Canucks fan. The play from Brown, as you've seen the Twitter name, Brown to Bure, that goal as a young little yeah. boy, you know, casually yeah. cheering for the Canucks, that put me over the top. Ooh, I'm Pavel, getting goosebumps. I know. Yeah, when, yeah. when Pavel scored that goal, I remember jumping just like he did. Yeah. And I mean, the run after that was amazing. But Pavel Bure goal, Sorry. that was it for sure. I, I, I think it's I said the pretty hard to kind of. Sorry. Narrow I said the Rangers wasn't the Rangers, sorry. Yeah, no, it's all okay. uh, hard to narrow it down. For me, personally, uh, love those two moments for both you guys. Maybe a little early for me. Those are all highlight reels uh, for me. I was one years old when uh, Beret scored that goal. Um, but <laughs> kind of a couple well. moments. I love. I, like Everyone loves, uh, he slayed the dragon. Like Everyone remembers that moment. You know exactly yeah. where you were when you saw that. Um, I also really loved the moment, the class act of uh, Roberto Luongo congratulating Henrik Sedin on his 1,000th point. Yeah. That was awesome. Okay, so real question. And, well, sorry, one last thing. And I would also say I was a really big fan of... Are you um, picking three? I just want to... Yeah, no, sorry. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go <laughs> no, ahead. pick no, your third one and then I'll ask a question. No, you know, I lost my train of thought. So you, you, you go right ahead about that uh, Luongo situation. The Luongo Okay, real question. Did Luongo let that in? No. No. Ah. Uh, it was pretty soft. I feel like we watched the replay. I mean, Henrik Sedin had two goals that year, It's Henrik sure. Sedin. It's Henrik Sedin. Did he let yeah. it in? I don't know. He, I did, feel like re- he did just retire. Yeah. I feel like he dragged that five hole just a little bit long. <laughs> yeah. It, this is my yeah. boy coming down on yeah. me. We got a history. Yeah. Oh, oh, you got me. Oh, man, that's all we hoped for, yeah. too, right? Congratulations, just, buddy. Everything about the Sedins is just so... It's just a story. It's like a fairy tale, man. And like Another great moment I loved was when, you know... Their last goal together in the Vancouver Canucks building. Um, pretty awesome as well. But I would say my favorite goal was probably that one when Daniel won the scoring title. That that they talked about it in the power play against the Flames and they dished it back to Edler. That tip through pass and through the legs. That was pretty sweet. You were at my house for that game. Yeah. Was I really? Yeah. Amazing you, goal. You like guys that... are in town for that. Oh, we yeah, watched that that's last right. game. Well, the fact that they goal. talked about it, they talked about it, they went through it. That it was an amazing scenery right there. Yeah, we ordered dinner. We did. Yes, I remember now. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to the next question as well uh, from Bailey Broadcast. Uh, should Coach Green have given Ferland a longer look on the first line? I, I think, think so. It's kind of tough to say. Yeah, I think we talked about that briefly. I think yeah. like somebody else is putting up right now. We know that's happening. Yeah. It's not looking good at the moment. It mm-hmm. might look good in the future, but until you're rolling, you're somewhere else, and while somebody else is rolling, you're here. So. You know, PD and Bo are the bread and butter of that line, maybe of this team when it comes to offense and scoring goals. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be moved. We know that. And Furlan isn't the, re- the reason that line's together, so it makes the most sense to have him come out and insert somebody else in there that is playing like a beast yeah. right now, and that's JT Miller. I, I still think it was a little early, but yeah. I agree with your point, for sure. No, it was a little earlier for me as well, but then, you know, the argument kind of changes when you happened. see Miller have four points. Yeah. Then, you know, we all so, shut up at that point. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's like then we realize, wait, we're not the coach; we're just the fans. Right? Yeah. Maybe we don't know what we're talking about. Numbers don't, numbers <laughs> but, don't lie. And at that point, um, I guess you kind of almost have to. And this lineup's pretty, yeah. kind of full already. Um, but we got a question and at Randy Dillon, and he wants to know what the Canucks are going to do 
when Antoine Roussel returns? What happens to this lineup? I, and to kind of go off of that, I'm going to add the next question into it from Shap Top. And uh, with a healthy roster, who do you see in your ideal bottom six? Okay. Uh, so I think it's pretty easy that when when Roussel comes back, that Schaller is probably the odd man out on that roster. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I think ideal bottom six is probably looking something like um, Gaudet, Vertanen, and I think this is probably going to change a bunch throughout the course, mm. but I think there's a moving set of six parts. Gaudet, Vertanen, Levo, Roussel, Beagle, and probably insert sixth player in that bottom spot, whether it's Ericsson, whether it's Schaller or Sutter or, or on any given day. Um, but I think it's probably some combination of those guys that are playing in there. No, and, I, and I think it's just going to continue to rotate until three of those guys show some sort of cohesion because I don't think yeah. they're going to be picky about who stays together as long as they're playing tight. No, I agree with you there. I think you kind of nailed it. Yeah, there's not too much to talk on that bottom six. I no. think most of that focus is going to be on the top oh. six. And I mean that the top nine to a little bit of a degree. But uh, at the end of the day, um, Ted, you kind of... I want to see... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. I want to see Furland... I want to see Furland and Roussel play together. I cannot wait for that. I think they'll be like the Basham brothers or something, you know, from uh, D2 Mighty Ducks. So, uh, uh, I'll just ask the question then. Yeah. Is that, is that what we want to be paying a player like Furland to play on the third line? Yeah, I don't. If we're paying uh, Brandon Sutter uh, 4.3 on the fourth, and we're paying Jay Beagle 3 million, I don't think we can really argue about how much money we're paying Michael Furland if but he's playing anywhere in the top nine. But we just said how much we hate the fact that we're paying those guys to oh, play. Oh, we do hate it. But I think we have more other things to worry about than where Michael Furland is playing, if we're talking about how much money he's got anyway. But uh, one last question here, you guys. We'll move on. <laughs> What? I'll you guys thought, what? I'll let you dodge me on it. Dodge okay. you on that? Okay, I'm dodging you. We're, we're running out of time here. We're coming up on an hour. So uh, how about I answer your question next week, Ted? Sure. We don't <laughs> have right, that All right, this one uh, is actually probably my favorite question, and it's from Laurie Thompson. Is this is this your like uh, an aunt or something? Uh, you got your grandpa in there already. Laurie Thompson's actually my mother. Oh, okay. Yeah, she... Uh, <laughs> a lot closer then. No, yeah, yeah. She's been a big supporter this of this podcast question, so far. That's a good question. That's a great question. Um, and it goes like this. Who leaves a bigger footprint on Vancouver by the end of the season? Is it Elias Pettersson or Quinn Hughes? Um, I think that, I'm not going to say obvious answer, but I think it's it's Pettersson. He's clearly, uh, well, he's taken his biggest step in, obviously, doing what he did last season and winning the Calder. He's already shown that uh, there's going to be some pretty amazing things happening on the team this season. As great as Quinn Hughes is, there's a lot of unknown there, and I would love to... I mean, there isn't really a wrong answer on this. And a footprint, you know, is uh, when we talk about what that kind of means, um, mm -hmm. there's a lot to go with that. I think at the end of the day, Pedersen covers that the best. Um, I think because he's going to be focused on the most, and I think Quinn Hughes, because he's on... Those, you know, he's one of three pairings that's going to be rotating, and they're going to have him on the ice a lot more. He's probably going to see a few different looks on defense of who his D partner is going to be. Yeah. Patterson, Besser, and I hope JT Miller are going to be the focus for a lot of this season. And at the end of the day, it, you know, Patterson is, is going to be the one that drives how far this team's going to go. Bo is the captain, but I mean, Patterson's the one that's going to lead it statistically. Yeah, I, I think, agree Brady? with you on that. Um, Pedersen will lead this team in points, I think, by the end of the season. But it's not exactly all about points either. Um, I would like to say that Hughes will make a bigger impact this year, or a footprint, if you want to call it that. Um, 
from what I've seen from him in eight games, I don't think he's really made a mistake. And in a lot of ways for me, I'm more confident in Quinn Hughes than I actually am in Elias Pettersson. Um, it's, it seems really hard for Pettersson to almost kind of be able to stay on his feet still. And, uh, Quinn Hughes, uh, you know, he's just looked really good and he's moving the puck around and he's only going to make Pedersen better. So they both have a good shot of uh, leaving a footprint on this team, but it's kind of a toss up for me. So you got to pick one though. This is your I would question. Th- you, can't, yeah. you can't walk on this one. <laughs> I got to go Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Quinn Hughes. He just, he completely reshaped that defense and it's, it's only taken eight games. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to agree with Brady on this one. I think that this defense has been so, it's been the same defense for a couple of years in a row now. So this is the first time really that we're going to get to see an, an injection of some new blood. And he's the guy that stirs the drink from the back end. Mm-hmm. I think for the third year in a row, we're going to see a Canuck rookie at the all-star game. I think yeah. for um, a third year in a row, we're going to see a Canuck rookie in the Calder race. And I think that he's all the buzz is going to come from that. I think PD is going to have a great season, but I think people are expecting PD to have a great season. So the talk and the buzz isn't going to be there the same way that it was for Alien in the first year. And I think that all the hype is going to come around Hughes late in the season when he hasn't broken down mm-hmm. and he's scoring <laughs> points. This has been a pretty contradictory podcast for you, Brady. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, that kind of wraps up the questions. Um, but looking forward to, for the Canucks coming up. Uh, we got some games. We've played one of this three-game homestand, 8-2 victory, as we've all know at this point. Uh, but coming up on Saturday with the Canucks kind of slow start, uh, they're playing the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, that should then, be a fun uh, one, yeah. Another, another what, two-day break again, and they play uh, Detroit. What is that? That's like 15 days or so in the first five games. That's a good. Lot. That's that good. means less yeah. injuries. So that'll be good. And then we're on, I think we're on to a, uh, something like a six-game road swing after that. So it's going to be a very interesting week coming up. Uh, and I can't wait to watch more hockey. Yeah, a couple of Eastern teams. It'll be fun to watch Philly. They're always a fun game. We always seem to play them really well. And De- Detroit is, I don't know what Detroit is this year. So it'll be interesting to see what they are as well. But anyway, uh, thanks for joining us this week, you guys. It's been an amazing episode four. Uh, you can always find us everywhere on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're everywhere. Um, and we really appreciate all the support. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at BKUrsal23. And then you can find Ryan there, and he's at Always94. 90FOUR. That's right. And then there's always Ted. You can find him at T3. That's T E E, the number three, R E E. And it. once again, thank you guys. It's been awesome. We love the support. We'll see you next week. Rate, review, subscribe. Ciao. Uh, I thought it was fitting that we didn't have a captain last year, and I think it's fitting that we have one this year. I think he's ready for it, and I think our team's ready for it. And I've got a couple guys here that came in today that I think should actually do the pass-off from uh, the old captaincy to the new. Come on in, guys. Uh, it's a great honor for us to be here today to announce the new captain of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, a guy that we, we have seen grow as a person from day one, he came in. Two things that we enjoy the most about presenting this guy as the captain is that uh, we know that he's not going to change just because he is the captain. And number two, that we're going to be here for his first speech as the captain. <laughs> Boom!
thanks guys for obviously being here and thanks for everybody I guess um, that was pretty humbling um, it's pretty amazing I uh, can't wait for this year I think we have a, a heck of a squad and uh, I'm really really looking forward to getting things going I really think we have a, a good team here to do something special this year and I want to get back to the playoff best time of the year and, and the best hockey so I think we have the team in here to do it if I can represent the Canucks like Hank and Danny have over the years, uh, made the jersey where, the way they left it, uh, it'd be an honor. So uh, thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.